So how many of you remember playing follow the leader as a child? Probably all of us played that game at one time or another. You know, if you were back in the pack, if they jump over a log, you jump over a log. If they skip, you skip. If they crawl, you crawl. The lessons learned in simple games like that impact us more than we realize. Every one of us have people in our lives that we follow. Um, We mimic them. They are role models to us. And though some role models are certainly negative, it, it seems that life works much better when you have someone that you know and you trust that they show you the way. I mean, from our early years, it was our parents and our family. Then it became our teachers and our coaches, right? They all contributed to helping us learn things that we didn't know by showing us how to do that. I mean, imagine trying to learn how to hit a baseball or shoot a basketball without someone to coach you. Or imagine stepping into a new job and having absolutely no mentor to help show you the way. How about learning to be a husband or a wife with no good role models? Or imagine trying to parent with no good examples to lead the way or to show you how to do that. Some of the most difficult lessons are learned best by example. And as we consider today the need of humility in our lives, it is one of the most difficult lessons to learn and we desperately need a good example for us to follow. Now, in Scripture, in God's Word, there are actually two very stark and contrasting examples that we have the option to mimic in this area of humility. We have Jesus on one hand and Lucifer on the other. We have our Savior and we have Satan. Now, you may say, now, Pastor Doug, I would never follow Satan. But check this out. To understand pride, we have to go back, back before Adam and Eve, back before creation, to see an angel named Lucifer. Now, we know him today as Satan, but Lucifer is one, the one who started this ride on this trip called Pride. He began this ego trip into a universe called Lucifer. And so I want you to listen to his words that Isaiah records in Isaiah chapter 14. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Did did you notice that? I will ascend to heaven. I will rise. I will sit. I will. I will. I will. Five different times he says those words. Lucifer was trying to elevate himself above God. He was on a huge ego trip. And God cast him from his presence. That was the fall of Satan. And he took with him many of the rebellious angels that we know as demons today. But if we follow this path of pride, we're in danger of following the wrong example. So, Listen very carefully to these words from Psalm 130, verse 6. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. 
though lofty, he sees them from afar. Did you pick up that? The proud he knows from afar, the lofty. And as we continue our series, Eyes Up, Anchor Down, I want you to grab a hold of this truth and this concept. By the way, did you you notice my cool t-shirt here? I'll tell you later in the service how you can get your own one. But if we are to keep our eyes up and our anchors down, we're to keep our eyes up on Jesus Christ, then we need humility. It's, it's essential. It's, it's critical. And for that, we have a great example in Jesus, who, though he was God, provided the most amazing example of humility. Now, rather than turning to one of the gospel accounts about the life of Jesus, we're going to turn to the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 2. So turn in your Bibles to Philippians 2. Turn on the version app or click the tab link down there. It's probably one of the key verses in all of the New Testament, but most certainly in the book of Philippians. And this passage sets Jesus up as the example of the right attitude in our dealings with others. And it provides us such great guidance so that we can have our eyes up on Jesus in humility. And here's the key today. I won't have my eyes up on Jesus if I don't intentionally choose humility. So let me read from Philippians 2. I'm going to start in verse 5 and read through verse 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Paul begins our passage here, verse 5 there. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus. You need to mimic Jesus Christ. And so this fifth verse here is really a a tie-in verse between the first four verses and then the passage that we read, verses 5 through 11. It is a transition from exhortation, do this, to example or illustration, follow Jesus. And if we wish to imitate the humility of Christ, then then we're going to carefully put into practice these previous verses. Because you see, core to the concept of humility that is highlighted in this whole passage comes from verses three to four. Look what he says there. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, here's that word, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. If we're going to realize our need to look to Jesus, we're going to need great humility. But we need 
humility in order to look to Jesus. So what's the definition of humility? So in the world of Jesus' day, this word humble uh, meant to be brought low, and it was looked upon as something that was shameful. It, you avoid that, right? Whereas biblically, humility, this is a characteristic which brings man into a right relationship with our Heavenly Father, with God Himself. It is the trait or the attitude which understands the greatness of God, how great God is, and how severe our limitations as humans are. We are humble when we show great dependence upon God, knowing who He is, along with the respect for other people. Humility is both vertical and horizontal. Now, some people think that humility is to look at ourselves as scum. You know, some old song read, such a worm as I. <clears throat> but as we will see from Jesus, humility requires the greatest of strength and the greatest of understanding of God's love for us. And so as believers in Jesus Christ, we have an excellent example that we all claim to follow, which is Jesus Christ. But that doesn't make it any easier to adjust our attitudes to coincide with this attitude that Paul lays out for us of Jesus Christ. So how do we follow Jesus' example? Well, let's, let's begin with this understanding that humility begins with an attitude adjustment. So look what he says in verses 6 and 7. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So there are two attitude adjustments we have to make. Attitude adjustment number one is this. Humility refuses to use status to our advantage. Obviously, Jesus had significant status. Jesus was God. He says there, verse 6, in very nature, God. Christ was God. You, you need to understand that. That he possessed and was God himself. But because of our lost state, he valued our need over his status and surrendered ultimately to the cross. For us, this understanding is qualified by a previous phrase up there that we read earlier, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above ourselves. To mimic Christ is to refuse to use our status, our blessings, our privileges to our selfish ambition. Rather, we follow the, the example of Christ and we're willing to let those go for the sake of other people. Now, attitude adjustment number two is this, humility serves others. See, Jesus, though he was in nature God, chose a different nature, that of a servant, verse 7. Both those words, in nature God, in nature servant, they, they're similar and they provide this stark contrast for us. To be humble, we let go of our status and we grab onto being a servant. We have to stop seeing our blessings and our benefits as being there only for us. 
and take those blessings and benefits and turn them around and use them to serve others. And I'm so thankful for a church who does that. I mean, that's at the heart of what we do corporately in our Panama trips, Lovelu work days, our Rockwood blessings that we share at Christmas time. But I see it again and again and again in your example. And we become a servant. Again, this ties up to the previous section where Paul talks about we need to value others above ourselves. In other words, what is best for them? Warren Wearsby said that humility is not demeaning yourself. That's false humility. He said true humility is simply not thinking of yourself at all. You become so other-centered that you do not worry about yourself. Humility requires two attitude adjustments, and they're challenging, right? But then there's one more crucial truth that's revealed here, that humility and obedience are intricately linked. Look at verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You and I will not discover humility without a willingness to obey Jesus Christ completely. One way to think of humility is that it is placing myself under God's authority and obeying him, recognizing he knows better than I do, I'm going to obey him. Humility and obedience always go hand in hand. That's, that's Paul's encouragement here. Now, some of us, more often than we probably want to admit it, are foolish enough or arrogant enough to think that we know better than Jesus does about what is best and right for our lives. So we either ignore, excuse, or totally disobey God's instructions because maybe they're just too difficult to follow. Maybe it just doesn't make any sense to us. Yet we're sowing seeds that one day will be reaped and that harvest will be the most unpleasant. Hey everybody, this is my grandson Grayson. Say hi Grayson. Hi. They're here visiting us from the smoky state of California. Anyway, Grayson and I are sitting in our 2003 Honda Accord. Um, Grayson, would you hand me that book in there? Thank you, sir. This is the owner's manual of the Honda Accord. It's a little dirty there because I get my dirty hands on it. Um, and so the owner's manual gives the uh, indication that you're supposed to replace the engine oil and filter every 3,750 miles. Can you say that, Grayson? 3,750. 3,750. 3,750. 3,750. 3,750. Now, honestly, it's okay to change the oil when there's a nice day like today, but the problem with changing the oil in the Honda is that I can't drive it up on my ramps anymore because it's too low, the bumper gets in the way. I then have to jack it up with the hydraulic jack, then put the car jacks underneath it. So then I have to crawl underneath it to be able to change the oil, which is not much fun when there's three inches of snow on the ground and it's sub-zero temperature. Do you guys ever have snow in California? No. No snow. So it's way better to change it there. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, ah, I don't really have to do what the owner's manual says. I mean, if I change it every, you know, 20 or 30,000 miles or every couple of years, then I don't have to crawl under the car near as much. 
but would that be very good for the car if I didn't change the oil? Probably not. In fact, it wouldn't last very long. It would be somewhat foolish. So I can certainly ignore the one who made me and just not do what God says to do in his word. But the reality is the payment for that, the consequences of that are so great. God doesn't want me to do that. Someday I will reap the consequences of my selfish choice unless I choose to obey God, to humble myself, and to listen to him. And I want to follow the example of Jesus Christ. Right, Grayson? Yes. So how do I know who I'm choosing to learn from? The learning is revealed by our obedience or in whom I obey. If I obey me, then I'm, right, the teacher. I'm the one in charge. But if I obey God, he's the one in charge. So when I'm in the office and my coworker is berating me, how do I respond? Shows who I'm obeying. When our neighbor puts up the largest political banner ever, and it's the other political party, how I react and respond shows who I'm obeying. When I'm hanging out with friends and they pressure me to look at porn, what do I choose? When I walk into a store and they require me to put on one of those stupid masks, how do I react to that? I mean, when I'm on vacation and someone cuts me off in traffic, do I give them a smile? What about when finances are tight? I'm trying to pay my bills and it's really tough. Does God move to the top or to the bottom of my priority list? When I'm driving and my wife makes a comment about my driving choices, do I tell her what I think or do I thank her for her helpful yet obvious instructions? See, humility and obedience to God. I mean, they go hand in hand. And I don't want you to miss the reward of true humility. I mean, Paul clearly gives it to us. Verse 9. Therefore God exalted him, that's Jesus, to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The most humble one who ever walked this earth was lifted up to be the most exalted one who ever walked this earth. And that's Jesus Christ. You see, the promise is if you humble yourself before God, God himself will raise you up. Now, I try to raise myself up. Scripture is very clear that God will humble me. And don't worry, if, if you won't humble yourself, God is certainly willing to help us out. As scripture teaches, Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. James says in James 4, 10, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Learn to let go of the steering wheel and let God take control. Chan Gailey, most recently is the offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins, told how he learned a lesson in humility. Gailey was then the head coach of Alabama's Troy State, and they were playing for a national championship. The week before the big game, he was headed to the practice field when a secretary called him back to take a phone call, obviously, before cell phones. 
Somewhat irritated, Gailey told her to take a message because he was on his way to practice. She responded, but it's Sports Illustrated. I'll be right there, he said. And as he made his way from where he was at to the building, he began to think about the upcoming article. It would be great publicity for a small school like Troy State to be in Sports Illustrated. And as he got closer, he realized a three-page article would just not be sufficient to tell the whole story. Coming even closer to his office, he started thinking that he might be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Should I pose or go with an action shot, he wondered. I mean, his head was just spinning on and on with the possibilities. So when he finally picks up the phone and he says, hello, the person asks, is this Chan Gailey? Yes, it is, he replied confidently. And they went on, this is Sports Illustrated. And we're calling to let you know that your subscription is running out. Are you interested in renewing? And Coach Gailey concluded the story by saying, you are either humble or you will be humbled. I mean, I've seen it so many times in my own life where I tried to gain control of the will. And, and that's really what this principle of humility is all about. Learn humbly simply means to let go of the steering wheel and let God take over. So many times in my life, I've tried to raise myself up. I've tried to control everything. I've become proud and God was always willing to find simple, small ways of humbling me. So what's keeping you from looking up to Jesus? It's time to humble ourselves. Humility is recognizing that God is so wise and loving that I want to place my life under his authority. So here are a couple of questions to help you think where you're at in this humility process. Question one is this, what are you holding on to? You know, the status that's keeping your pride alive. Is it rights? Is it privileges? Is it your title? Is it perks? Deuteronomy 8, 17 says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant. Question number two, what are you unwilling to do because it's beneath you? This is the servant role. Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. The anchor I'm talking about today is serving. Serving is something that can keep our, both our eyes up and our anchors down. We're anchored down in that we're trusting God as we're giving ourselves to others. And we're keeping our eyes up by giving our, of ourselves through the abilities that God has gifted us, the talents he's gifted us, the resources that he's gifted us, and sharing them with others. It's a way of looking at serving instead of as more work to do as sharing 
with other people and encouraging them through the gifts that God has given us. It's such an amazing thing to do and a great way to keep our eyes up and anchors down. For me, serving changed the course for my faith. It really just catapulted me on this direction that I wouldn't be standing here today if it was not for serving. It happened just on a Sunday morning. They were talking about what the youth group was going to be doing that evening and I was sitting there and they'd said that they were going to go hiking and I was like, I like hiking. I could totally help with that. And so I went and talked to the person in charge and I said, I'd love to help tonight with um, youth group with you guys going out and hiking at the refuge. And they were more than glad to have me come and help them. And so I went and then they were like, you know, we're doing this next week. Why don't you come and help us with that? And I was like, I like doing that. I could totally do that. And I ended up helping every week and developing these great relationships with these kids that I got to just pour into them. And it really did just change the course of my life. It really made me go from where I was to having an eyes up, anchored down attitude with serving and giving my time to others. I really hope that you're able to seek out ways to serve and make this an anchor for you because it truly can change you. And it's what God has gifted us for with our talents and resources to be able to then in turn gift others with them and to help others with them. So I challenge you to use serving as a way to keep your eyes up and anchors down. This is about us learning to have this mind in us, which is also in Christ Jesus. I won't keep my eyes up on Jesus. If I'm either filled with sinful pride or even self-loathing, but when I look up to Jesus as the need of my life, I, I will relinquish my pride. So what, what will I choose? Choosing humility is the pathway to peace and stability. Let's focus each day our eyes up on Jesus. As believers moving closer to God, we become increasingly more aware that life is not about us. It's about Yahweh. The larger God becomes in our minds and hearts, the smaller and more insignificant we become in our own estimation. In the beginning, this phenomenon is like seeing a magnificent mountain from a great distance. It can have little effect on us. We may know its name and precise elevation. We may know its ancient history, as well as what kind of life exists on it today. We may appreciate it as a feature of the larger landscape. And we are fascinated by what we know, but are not dwarfed by its reality. But if we move closer, it becomes more impressive and takes up more of our view. If we continue to its very foot, we are overwhelmed as we gaze up at its awesome majesty. And in all this, the mountain hasn't changed. But our proximity to it has changed our perspective of both the mountain and ourselves. So it is with our view of God. Humility is not making ourselves smaller, but comparing ourselves with something someone bigger. Humbling oneself is not some magnanimous personal sacrifice. It is nothing more than simply acknowledging reality. The truth is that each person is an ordinary sinner, just like everybody else. But it is also true that some are sinners who have been saved by God's amazing grace. P.T. Forsyth wrote, Our churches are full of the nicest, kindest people who have never known the despair of guilt 
or the breathless wonder of forgiveness? Is it surprising that we have such a struggle with humility? We must return daily to the mirror of the scriptures and take a long, honest look at ourselves. Let us exclaim, Lord, I need you.